From your local Houston BMW Center Studios, welcome to the Public Affairs Podcast, addressing local issues that affect our nation and shape our world. I'm your host, KG Smooth, joined by the one and only... Uncle Funk, Hillary Johnson, Young Warrior, once again, sir, I'm proud of you. You look good. Thank you. You're, you're, I'm so glad you're in the driver's seat. <laughs> I, I, I love what you're doing, sir. Love what you're doing. Well, thank you. You're looking good as well. Thank um, you, friend. So we've had, we're still in the middle of a, in the middle of a pandemic. Right. Um, it's everybody versus racism. Yes. Or there's that 30% that still wants it to go on, but you know, whatever we want the smoke. And, um, with that, with COVID-19 and all that is going on and, and the revolution has started. Yes. It's like COVID went out the window and people are like, you know what? We better go out and protest for the life of George Floyd. We don't care. You know, people will have on our face mask, but we got to start this. And then there's a crew that's just all willy nilly. Oh, they let us out. Right. Okay. Okay. But you forgot the cool part: the face masking, mm-hmm. the social distancing, the washing your hands, right. and hand sanitizer. Right. And Ooh. not not to mention <laughs> that we hear late last night today that the numbers have skyrocketed here in Houston and in Harris County. And here we are. And here we are. But on the phone line, we have the interim director for chronic disease prevention in the nutrition and chronic disease division for Harris County Public Health uh, from the office. Dr. Dr. Sherry, welcome to the Public <laughs> Affairs Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Indeed. And thank you for um, and thank you for the work that you all are doing to get the message out. We really appreciate it. Yes, oh, well, it's our duty. I mean, this is what we do. And in my mind, the least, mm-hmm. the very, very least that people can do is wear a face covering. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we certainly know that this is a protective measure, not only, uh, and it's really for the people around you. Um, and it's certainly uh, one of those things that um, that we know that it, cer- it has benefits and it protects um, certainly the ones that are around you. I mean, because we know that this infection or this virus can present differently in different people. So some people may have symptoms and some people may not. And so certainly if you don't have symptoms and you have a face covering, it's 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 a protective measure for those that may be around you, especially those that are uh, that are in close contact. As we were talking, uh, the numbers have gone up here in Harris County. Do you have the latest uh, numbers of what's going on due, uh, to COVID? Here. Sure, sure. So um, right now within our county jurisdiction, within Harris County, uh, we have over 7,000 that are confirmed. Um, but about 4,000 of those individuals have recovered. Unfortunately, there's been a, a number of deaths, so we have 127 deaths. But when you combine those numbers with both um, the county and the city, mm-hmm. um, we have about, about 17,000 confirmed cases, and then we have about 7,000 individuals who've recovered, and um, about 289 deaths for, for the combined uh, um, jurisdictions. Hmm. Now, there's been, um, as time continues to go on, there's been certain things that the CDC thought in the beginning um, that could transmit uh, the virus. And now, you know, we're seeing here present day that a lot of the things that were initially on the guideline rules are um, have fallen off or, or, or aren't as important or they found out that. You know, it doesn't transmit this way. One being 
hard surfaces. You know, at first they were saying that, you know, it can live on a hard surface for so many hours mm-hmm. to up to three days, make sure you sanitize and yada, sure. yada, yada. And then toward the end of May, we find out, oh, it doesn't live on hard surfaces. Right. I mean, I think one way that we can look at this is to know that this is a uh, that is a virus that's respiratory droplets. So essentially, those are the droplets that come when you're talking, coughing, sneezing, and some of those droplets are 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 larger particles, and they can fall to surfaces. Mm-hmm. And so that's where some of that uh, that that um, that uh, guidance came from. So obviously, we you know. Honestly speaking, just as a good measure, it's great to to clean surfaces anyway. Um, but yeah, in terms of um, you know how long viruses can actually survive on surfaces, that uh, you know it really depends on what the surface is. Um, but again, it goes back to those preventative, other preventative measures. So because it is one of those things that can be transmitted when someone is coughing, when someone is sneezing, and they don't necessarily um, you know sort of have any you know, sort of control over where those, that, uh, that aerosol goes, that really speaks to the importance of doing those preventative measures, such as wearing a facial covering. Mm-hmm. Dr. Sherry, it's Larry. Let me ask you about maybe the nutritional side of this or, or what we can do to help build up our immune system. Is there anything you can offer our podcast listeners today about that? Sure. I mean, one of the, obviously one of the um, things that we know uh, about this virus is that it can affect anybody. You know, obviously uh, uh, we've talked a lot about uh, some of these uh, high risk, what you may hear is high risk populations. Uh, and, and we spend time talking about, um, you know, the elderly, you know, individuals who are, you know, 60, 65 and above, individuals who have underlying chronic conditions. But the truth of the matter is that the infection can, in, can really uh, in, impact anyone. So we are all pretty much success, uh, susceptible to um, to getting the infection. So anything that you can do to, again, do those preventative health measures to uh, to ensure that you're getting the, um, you know, the adequate exercise that you need. Um, and obviously, individuals who have underlying chronic conditions that they stay in contact with their health care provider to ensure that their uh, underlying conditions are under control as well. So I think it, you know, that goes without saying. And obviously, we do know that some, with some of the measures that we've, um, that we've put in place, especially with the, um, you know, with, with the recommendations of, of social distancing, we know that the mental health aspect of this all cannot also be uh, cannot be forgotten, and we still have to talk about that. That's a very real issue for a number of our communities, because we are, you know, recommending, um, you know, that those that distance measures uh, be put in place, and we we are very emotional uh, and socially connected people, and so um, you know we certainly want to make sure that that's something that's addressed and that that's in the forefront of, of people's uh, mind too. To just you know, think of other ways to get connected, to get that emotional connection, um, even though you may be physically apart. Mm-hmm. Doc, can you address the, the, the brash, the, 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 the audacity of some people just not to, and excuse my mouth, give a damn about anybody else, and they have this or they're not being, they don't feel well, but they don't have enough common sense or courtesy to go to their care p- provider or wear face covering, or stay home, or stay home. Amen, KG. Can, can, right. can, you, can you bang on that drum for a little bit, Doc? Please. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that you know it can't be um, stressed enough that 
you know, we have testing that available in our in our community. Um, and what we're saying to the community is that don't guess with this. Just go ahead and take the test. Um, so even if you're even if you don't have symptoms, but certainly if you do. Take advantage of the resources. I mean, we. I'm happy to leave our phone number for your for the listeners and our website um, where they can actually get access to to get tested. But absolutely, I mean, when you have symptoms, um, and even we know that with this potential virus, with this virus, there are people who potentially may not even show symptoms, and it still can impact others around you. So, um, if they if individuals feel like it's their own individual choice. They have to realize that this impacts other people um, around them, and it takes that choice away from the from from oh, others. Yes, yeah. So, um, but yeah, so we have our phone number. Our call center is eight three two nine two seven seven five seven five, and our website is hcphtx.org. And that's where um, the community can access the free testing that we have available, um, and they can uh, you can certainly um, get in the queue to get tested. Indeed. Um, I was wondering, Dr. Sherry, how soon were you, did your spidey senses or the light bulb go off in your head about COVID? I'm reminded of, um, it was like toward the like middle end of January, and I was uh, watching, yeah. a, uh, watching a news program on MSNBC. I was watching Rachel Maddow, as a matter of fact, and mm-hmm. she had a, uh, a doctor, I believe she was from New York, uh, and this is the very, very, very beginning. I believe this was the first time that I had heard of uh, coronavirus uh, before they technically named it COVID-19. And she was saying that this virus is on the rise and that um, they, they see what was going on in China and all of that. And she called her daughter's school's uh, superintendent to see what steps that they were taking to uh, for preventative measures uh, with children being in school. Now, this is like... Second to last week in January, and then you know, as February goes on, you know we're we're hearing a little noise about it, and throughout February it ticks up a little, and then March comes, and it's like, oh, it's here. And then kind of mid March, shut down. So when right. did you know and realize that this was going to be as serious as it is? Yeah. Um, w- to be honest with you, we uh, internally here at Harris County Public Health have been watching the situation from the, you know, very from the very early on onset. Um, I'll say that we were al- alerted by our, um, our, um, you know, some some of our key uh, leadership um, about this um, virus that was happening in uh, in China, causing these strange patterns of pneumonia. And so very quickly, we assembled a task uh, or a large group across the, across the agency, um, a, a readiness task force, if you will, uh, really looking at the patterns um, of the virus in, in, in Wuhan. And so very, very early on, to answer your question, um, I think that, you know, we even very quickly uh, sent out um, uh, concerted uh, messaging to our healthcare providers, um, I think very early, uh, mid part of January to alert them as well. Mm-hmm. So we were mm-hmm. very, 
you know, we've been watching the situation and had some internal measures um, and response plans put in place, um, you know, when the when the virus was um, having its activity um, over in, in, in Wuhan. So, so what was the response to other I don't know, city officials, government officials on the higher end when you all were alerting them about this in its preliminary stages where did they seem interested? Did they just, you know... Brush oh, absolutely. Side, absolutely. I, no, 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 absolutely. I think that one of the things that you have to understand is that from a public health standpoint, we um, we we look at uh, these types of response or these pandemics. Uh, we had a very similar um uh, obviously not to this scale, um, but uh, with H1N1 or right. influenza. Yeah. Um, and so the the leadership is always very uh, uh, responsive to issues like this, especially ones that are going to be uh, uh, sort of proposed as a global threat. And so, um, you know, we plan for these type of activities. Um, there's um, their their response plans that are already in place. And obviously, for this, you know, we had to adjust the response plans for a pandemic as such because, like I said, the most recent one that we sort of dealt with on a similar scale that I can kind of that I, I can compare it to would have been the H1N1. So completely responsive uh, from the leadership um, as it relates to uh, to this. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Dr. Sher, we, we really appreciate you today. Um, yeah. I want to turn the page just a little bit, and uh, KG and I are praying with all of our heart that a vaccine is created, and we understand that there are a lot of t- there's some st- testing and studies going on in the Houston area, um, right. in the Medical Center, Rice University, U of H. Can you bring us up to speed on a possible um, uh, cure or vaccine for this evil thing? Yeah. Yeah, so um, it's a great question, a great point, and um, I, you know, you're right. I mean, there are a number of academic institutions um, here in our community that are, are there aggressively doing that work. Um, and as you mentioned, unfortunately, right now we don't uh, FDA we don't have any FDA approved drugs or or therapy that's available right now. Um, a lot of that work is also happening. Um, so we're excited to see um, to see the the speed at which some of these developments are coming out. Um, we do know that Baylor College of Medicine, um, some of the other players that you uh, also mentioned with other academic institutions are very aggressively um, involved in a lot of this vaccine development work. And so we're very excited to, to, to really be able to, to see what develops on the horizon. But as it stands right now, um, we're, we're really utilizing the, 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 big tool that we have in our, our, our you know, in our toolbox, uh, which is preventative measures. I mean, because right now, in the, in, in the light of not having the vaccine currently available, which will likely take some time, um, and not having a, an approved FDA therapy, we have to rely on, um, on those basic prevention measures that you mentioned very early at the top of the segment with its hand washing and the facial coverings, maintaining social distance, um, and so those are those are the tools that we all have right now in our toolbox to really uh, encourage uh, folks to to do their best. And certainly, if you um, have symptoms, even if you don't, to take advantage of getting the resources of getting getting testing done. Indeed. Um, mm-hmm. With this uptick in uh, COVID and COVID cases here in Harris County and in the city of Houston, um, I understand that there is concern in the medical center. Uh, about this uh, upwards uh, 
slope that we are on and that four Houston hospitals are overwhelmed um, mm-hmm. due to this new uptick in cases. How is the county and the city preparing for more, especially if already now the medical center is Right. Well, you know, I certainly want to acknowledge that point. Uh, We've been watching this very, uh, very closely. Um, I do want to uh, just sort of you know, at least uh, make mention of the fact that there are a number of milestone events that have happened. Um, We've had reopening of the state. Um, We've had Mother's Day, Memorial Day. Um, We've had the recent protests, as you've mentioned. We've had sort of, when you talk about the reopening, you know it happened in phases. So we had one phase um, that happened um, toward the the end of May where we had, you know, a much higher occupancy of various uh, business sectors and things like that. So coupling um, all of those milestones together, we obviously saw an increase in, you know, cases. Um, And so we're also seeing an increase in, as you mentioned, hospitalizations and ICU admissions. And so we certainly are um, in close communication. We're monitoring the situation. We want to make sure that the data is um, is accurately and adequately uh, visualized and articulated um, because we do know that there's also uh, plans in place, contingency plans or what we call surge plans, to also accommodate um, um, a lot of the, the, the pressures that the hospitals um, may be undergoing. But I just wanted to make sure that we articulated the fact that there are multiple factors mm-hmm. that are going into some of these increasing um, in the numbers that we're seeing. Doc, just before we uh, we wrap up today, and again, we thank you for your time. Can you give us uh, the vital numbers we need for your office and and website? Sure, sure, sure. So um, we you, individuals can call our call center. Um, that phone number is eight three two nine two seven seven five seven five, or they can go to hcphtx.org. And KG, the takeaway this morning is wear your face mask, wash your hands, mm-hmm. practice social distancing, use your hand sanitizer. And if you feel sick, stay, stay home. home. It's That's just right. that simple. Yeah. Stay at home. I'm still, my mind is back, you know, after I, I went to three protests, uh, <laughs> I got retested, it came back negative. Doc, in all honesty, I think I already had it. I honestly, when I think back, I think I had it twice, Jeez. once in November and then again in January. Um, but that's a whole nother um, conversation. But I hope that we get this vaccine or the cure or we, you know, try to flatten the curve once again. But as far as I'm concerned, I don't think things will be back until 2022. Yeah, well, I mean, we certainly want to want to make sure that individuals are armed with the the information that they need. Uh, we want to make sure that people are practicing those preventative measures um, because we know right now we don't have those tools in place. We 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 we're certainly um, excited and hopeful for the future with uh, with the way that the science is is um, is is going with uh, with the work that's being done towards a vaccine and towards therapies. Um, but again, like I said, you know, we're going to all have to do our part with, um, you know, with sort of continuing to do those efforts of, of, of prevention. Yeah, for real. 
Again, yeah. uh, the number, 832-927-7575. That's 832-927-7575. And the website? Yeah, hcphtx.org. Dr. Sherry from the Harris County Public Health Department. Thank you so much for coming on the Public Affairs Podcast. Thank you for having us. Appreciate it. Thank you, ma'am. We'll be right back. From your local BMW Sitter Studios, welcome back to the Public Affairs Podcast, addressing local issues that affect our nation and shape our world. I'm your host, KG Smooth, and I have on the phone line with me Dr. Walter Milton and Joel Freeman, who has written uh, an incredible book that uh, makes black history relevant 365 days of the year. Gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. Good to be with you. Glad to be with you today. Thank you for having us. In, in, yeah. Indeed. Um, so, it, Black History Month, those little 28 days that we do for the history, not good enough. And they only teach us, I remember growing up in school, they only taught us so much about what how black folks contributed to uh, this nation. And then until I got a little older and did more research and found out that, wow, we invented a lot of the uh, things that makes life a lot easier easier and uh 28 days aren't enough so i'm glad that you all are choosing 365 days because there's a lot of stuff that black folks don't know absolutely absolutely and actually what we've discovered is uh 365 days are not even enough we are we are definitely um at some point going to have to talk about doing volume one uh excuse me volume two and potentially volume three um, our history is rich. Uh, we have a strong legacy, uh, and we have a strong heritage. And, and our history goes all the way back to the beginning of time. Our textbook uh, starts in ancient Africa, and it deals with the many contributions that people of African descent have not only made to uh, America, but that they made to civilization. And then we come all the way up through uh, the, the transatlantic slave trade, and we talk about even in the midst of all of the adversity, we still had an eye on the prize. Um, the participation that we've uh, participated in in terms of building this nation, uh, the contributions that, um, that, that we have made is just amazing. And we believe that if our children had that understanding of who they are and the greatness that they come from, that we can turn, um, we can we can turn the ties. We really can, and we believe that um, when our children are in an environment that their culture is immersed in that environment, it and and we inculcate those things that are excellent in them, that we increase the probability for them to do well academically and also socially. Indeed, and so uh, Joel, what was it that made you want to uh, team up with Dr. Milton to uh, create a BH three sixty five? Well, it's just Dr. Milton himself. <laughs> we we become great friends over the years, and when he called, uh, it was something that uh, I, I just I didn't even have to think about. I just instantly said, "Yes, let's do it." Uh, I came from originally from Canada, and left home when I was 17, just hitchhiking all around North America for close to two years, and then um, uh, I turned my life around, and uh, I think it was about uh, about seven years. I have a picture of myself with long-haired, hair, long-haired hippie, 
And about seven years later, I became chaplain for the Washington Bullets, the Wizards. So I had to confront a lot of stuff in my life. Mm. And uh, 25 years of age, I, I looked like I was 15 or 16, no mentor, ended up surviving six coaching changes uh, over 20 seasons. But what happened is that a lot of the players of African descent, uh, you know, they're looking at me like, uh, we're supposed to spill our guts to that guy. <laughs> You've got to be kidding me. <laughs> and uh, they began to ask questions uh, just to check the seams of my soul. And uh, over time, we became very good friends. We talked about all sorts of things. And of course, they wanted to know a lot of uh, things that I had, didn't have a clue about, which forced me to start studying. And then uh, what happened is uh, I ended up co-writing a book that a friend of uh, Dr. Milton's read, Mil Milton read, and he ended up getting us together. And uh, that's how uh, we started working together on this project. Uh, I developed a huge black history collection in the meantime, and it's over uh, 3,000 pieces. The oldest piece dates back to 1553 which now is exclusively available to this project, uh, BH365. And um, uh, we have uh, images that are just all throughout the entire textbook. It's just uh, images that no one has ever seen before. It's just amazing. We're very excited. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm excited. It sounds incredible. I'm wondering, have uh, school districts across the nation um, taking an interest in uh, BH365? Well, it's amazing that today, uh, in the mark of Juneteenth, this whole weekend, that's when the book is going to print. Wow. And we wanted to do it uh, right around this time because it's historical and it's, it's monumental. And we will have ebooks too, for those students um, that will, will learn in that area. And plus, you know, if we have to continue to do things virtually, we wanted to make sure that we have ebooks. Our uh, textbook is it's, I mean, it has so many QR codes because uh, we wanted to integrate a strong aspect of technology into the book. Also, the book will, um, each chapter and unit will be introduced by music. Uh, we have Grammy Award uh, producer uh, Kevin K.O. Cates. He produces for uh, JV, uh, T.I., uh, Snoop Dogg, and, and Drake uh, alike. And he's going to be doing all of our music um, in the book. So it's just going to be incredible. As you know, we are musical people. Right. And sometimes we can lock and hook our young people in when we have music that, that, that you know, is, is sensitive to their appetite. And indeed, which is a, a great way to learn and memorize. I mean, we learn our ABCs through song. Absolutely. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So what is going to make BH365, uh, um, what makes this different from the other uh, textbooks that we have seen in the past, besides the uh, the technology element, which I think is phenomenal because, you know, these kids and their phones, like if you can integrate that technology into it, I, I think you got them. But what makes this so different? Well, Nelson Mandela said, he said, education is the most powerful weapon that can be used to change the world. And what we've done is we've uh, created something uh, throughout that kind of works its way throughout the entire curriculum. It's called the elephant experience. And it's a student engagement process with important topics that are interspersed throughout the curriculum. So it's designed to prepare the students in four different ways. Uh, in fact, this has informed everything that we've done with this curriculum is we want our students to invite them and the teachers to become critical thinkers, 
and also compassionate listeners and fact-based respectful communicators and action-oriented solutionists. And so by using the elephant experiences, these are, uh, we've identified 52 hot topics that people either don't want to talk about, or when they do, they end up talking past each other or at each other and then up, up, up on, on friending each other on Facebook and blocking each other. It's just crazy. So we, we took topics like the topic of rep- reparations, Uncle Tom, three-fifths of a human being, uh, is the Willie Lynch letter real, a genuine letter? Uh, are we in a post-racial society? Uh, uh, did Africans sell Africans into slavery? All these topics and more. Uh, do we tear down the, uh, the, the statues or keep them up as a, as a, a life lesson for us? And so uh, we, don't, uh, we don't betray what, which way we're thinking because we've kept this book entirely truth-centric. And uh, it's not non-political. We just allow the students to wrestle with these things. But we set it up in advance where the students develop their own code of conduct, if you will, their own rules of engagement on how they're going to approach these topics by developing a list of we will, we will not statements that they create themselves. Of course, when they create it, they own it. And it's a very powerful process. And then they create a talking stick uh, and, and, and some other things that they do. Then when they approach these topics, uh, it's, it's just a, a remarkable way that uh, they'll be able to understand and to ex- appreciate what is, is happening in their lives and then trans- export that into other aspects of their family, their work, uh, whatever they might do. Oh, my goodness. I want the book for myself. And that's interesting that you would ask that question because we have had a number of pre-orders. Um, our website is bh365.org. I repeat, B as in boy, H as in Henrietta, 365.org. And it's incredible because I know many adults have not had a well-versed um, history lesson, and this is designed to do just that. Indeed. I mean, I am... So- I don't know if you could see my reaction. Like I'm, I'm all over because I, this is so, I'm speechless. Um, what, what was the inspiration behind this? Like, what made you all want to put this book together? That's a great question, and it goes back. I remember when I was in elementary school, and the teacher was giving a history lesson, and she talked about the benign institution of slavery. And I remember I was so embarrassed that I wanted to hide behind a hide under the table because what it did for me, it ushered shame and humiliation in the way in which she presented the material. And I just knew that there was more that my ancestors and my people had contributed to the world than just that. And so I remember going home in tears, talking to my mother and father, and that's when they began to give me the history lesson saying that our history goes back to the beginning of time. When we talk about the great kings and queens of civilization, that many, the same blood that runs through their veins run through my veins. And so what they knew that they had to do at that juncture was to protect my self-esteem. When I became a teacher and teaching social studies, I demanded that I was able to, to teach, the, like, like Joel said, Dr. Freeman said, the whole truth, the, the, the truth that people don't want to talk about. And so I made sure that I was able to do that when I became a principal. And when I became a superintendent, I made sure 
that no matter where I was, that we were constantly injecting all children, particularly black children, with the notion that they are somebody and they're connected to a, 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 a not only great work, but great people. Indeed. And to underscore that, uh, Dr. Milton, uh, we are the original people. I mean, we, Absolutely. We, Absolutely. We are. Yeah. And, you know, it just mind boggles me that um, they just keep that part out. There's so much that they keep out. And um, I, I'm on the site just going through. And, and Joel, I know that you talked about the different units in the book and me just on the website scrolling through. I, I am so overjoyed. Um. The emotion, uh, I just I just have to be honest right now, you know, with everything that's going on in the world, <laughs> with the pandemic, with, you know, everybody versus systemic racism uh, and me being a black man in America who has had the typical black man male experience when it comes to dealing with law enforcement and and just being looked over because my skin is darker and just just all of that. For me, BH365 is giving me such an uplifting spirit and feeling. Just me glossing over the different units in the book. And I want this book so bad. And 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 to everybody listening to the podcast, you get the book for yourself, even even if even if it isn't offered in the curriculum uh, for your child's school. As a matter of fact, the BH365 curriculum, you all are having a virtual open house uh, on Friday the 26th, yes? That's yes, true. Sir. Yes, and sir, people can sign up for it. Yeah, we're having two of them, and uh, we're really we're really excited. And we have uh, information in there. The textbook, like I said, starts in ancient Africa. We uh, did the etymology of the word Africa, and it comes, it goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we look at, uh, once we broke the word down and uh, looking at the transliterization of the word. But I do want to say, too, something that you talked about, because I know the feeling that you're, you're speaking. I mean, you're, you're speaking to my spirit when you say what it feels like to be a black man. I know every time we have a police officer around, uh, behind us, rather yeah. when we're driving, our palms get sweaty. We can't help but look into the mirror. Heart is beating out of my chest. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And if you're not who we are, it's hard to experience that and to understand that. But it happens. Joel did an excellent um, sidebar on what it means to walk while black. And Mm. it's unbelievable. We even talk about what happened to Brother George uh, Floyd Mm -hmm. in that. But, um, man, I would love to talk with you more. I have to get back to my group. But yes, thank indeed. you so much, and God bless you. I wish you all the success in the world. Thank you, thank Dr. You. Walter Milton. Uh, what and let me share. I can share some 65? things off of that, too. Sure, Joe. I can share some more things on that, too, if you'd like. Yes, yes, go ahead. Yeah, I, I, the, the thing that, uh, just to kind of hitchhike off what uh, Dr. Milton just said, is that uh, we, we bring the whole curriculum through a time kind of like a time uh, tunnel, if you will. And, and we bring people through the slave trade. Uh, but we didn't want to start with the slave trade because we didn't want to reinforce the notion, either implicitly or explicitly, that uh, black history started with slavery. So the whole first section, the whole first unit is about ancient Africa. 
and uh, I was able to identify some some images of pe- of people, uh, ancient images of people hunting and fishing and gathering and living and uh, agriculture and put that all together because you get the words but the pictures are the music that pull it all together and then it uh, goes through the timeline all the way through to the civil war reconstruction uh into the harlem renaissance into uh, the struggle for civil rights and then we get into the the industrial prison complex uh we talk about chain gangs and we talk about wealth uh versus income and we give some great examples, the Rule 72. Uh, we Then we get in, into uh, arts entertainment and uh, black quarterbacks, uh, the integration of the NBA, uh, black women and black men in sports. Um, it just, it's just incredible. And then uh, for Texas, we have something called the Lone Star. And the reason why we did that for Texas is because we want to kind of give a, a, a tip of the hat to Texas for being the first state or one of the first states to mandate that every high school has to teach black history. And uh, this mm-hmm. first year, it's, it's a suggestion and next year it'll be a mandate. And so, and then the final, this is what I'm so excited because I'm from Canada. Uh-huh. The final unit is about the North star. And uh, it, we tell the stories. There's a gentleman in 1856, he published a book uh, called refugee refugees and it's a long title they had long titles back then and he went up north to canada and he, he interviewed a number of people including harriet tubman before she became known as harriet tubman the general <laughs> and uh, uh he began to talk about the places like oro mende community uh the don settlement and 141 stories are in his book from 1856 i have an original copy first edition copy in my collection and we tell some of those stories and then we have a whole timeline uh from the 1600s on with uh festooned with pictures and images that help people understand the connection moving from the south coming north fugitive slave laws driving people into canada and then people learn about africville and halifax hogan's alley in vancouver where uh duke ellington played and Jimi hendrix played and um, there, there was uh, pair of twins that were entertainers. They claimed that they taught Sammy Davis Jr. how to dance. Oh, wow! <laughs> so it's just incredible story. The black cowboy John Ware. You know, he he was born in in South Carolina. He ended up going to to Texas after the emancipation, and uh, he got a job on a ranch in Fort Worth. And then uh, he, he kind of he'd never ridden a horse before, before, but he just became very proficient as a cowboy. And then what happened is that uh, his his uh, boss told him the owner of the ranch said, "Hey, you ought, you ought to get involved. In, uh, oh, take take a cattle drive north." Oh, we did that up to Idaho. Okay. And then yeah, so there was a guy from thing. from it's Alberta, switching. Canada, who uh, was down there to buy uh, three thousand head of steer, and he saw him and he and he at, he saw how proficient he was. He says, "Would you help to to drive these steers up north to Alberta?" And when he, found, when he got to Alberta, he loved it so much. He stayed there, got married, uh, a young woman from Calgary. And when he passed away, his funeral was attended. It was the largest funeral in the history of that city, Calgary, up to that point, because he, he, people loved him so much. And he was such a, a man of integrity 
and and a, and a man that everyone just enjoyed. So those are the kind of stories yeah. we weave throughout this whole uh, this whole text. Listen. Be over a thousand pages. And, and yeah, and I see that over three thousand artifacts uh, that are featured in the textbook. I mean, this is just. It, yeah, that, that, that's this is beyond collection. incredible. My- like, this is wow. <laughs> this is just wow, 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 wow. We have needed this forever. I, the collection, I, uh, mm-hmm. I've done exhibits at the UN twice. We had over a million visitors. I've done exhibits at. Uh, well, it looks as though that I have lost uh, Mr. Joel Freeman, but, but I want to thank Dr. Walter Milton and Joel Freeman. Uh, the authors of BH365, Black History 365, a uh, textbook. Uh, visit the website, bh365.org, and don't miss their virtual open house for the BH365 curriculum, uh, which will be Friday, June 26, uh, 11 a.m. and 2 p.m. CST. Uh, so uh, you just go to the website to register and um And find out about this book. This is incredible. And I want to thank you for listening to the Public Affairs Podcast. We'll see you next time.